feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled TIFF review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, I'm hungry like the wolf. <laughs> Eric, if you were an animal, which one would you be? That's a good question. I do like wolves actually quite oh, a bit. There you um, go. Then this movie's right up your alley. That or an Can't octopus. Can't wait to hear your thought. Oh, an octopus. Okay. Yeah. Because they're just I'm... strange, intelligent creatures that do feel otherworldly. Oh, Although I'm cool. not saying that I'm otherworldly or intelligent, which I'm right. neither. Um, but I just like the way that they look. It's just they're interesting. I always loved sea otters um i did a project on sea otters and before they became like trendy because i feel like i liked sea otters before everyone liked sea otters okay i did a project oh, so on you're one of those people you're claiming form. it for yourself because <laughs> sea otters i feel like are you know trendy and popular now but like i love those little bastards uh right from the beginning um or a seal i think being a seal would be fun you know you just get to lounge by the water and kind of you know bounce around on your belly and stuff like that i think that'd be fun but. until you go in the water though because then you have to worry about whales sharks and like other... eating me yeah. yeah if you're a sea otter you can be in like a river or something right or no that's they're in the sea it's, it's a river otter maybe just an otter in general and i could choose which kind of otter i want to be yeah um anyways today we are reviewing uh natalie uh oh god i just looked it up beyond carrie right yep. Beyond Carrie's Wolf. I'm so bad. I, guys, I swear to God, we try to be better. And I try to look things up beforehand and do my research of how to pronounce people's names. And then right when we start, goldfish memory. So maybe I should be a goldfish. Um, we're reviewing Wolf, which just premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. Eric and I have been covering um the entire festival. So um, you guys can go back and uh, listen or watch all of our reviews over on our YouTube channel. Just search for untitled movie reviews and we should pop up or our names or something like that. Or just search then, our Dune review. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can get our perspective. That's for sure. Uh, which it looks like we're in the minority about, but whatever. Uh, sometimes there's some, there's some people that, that, that are on our side. Yeah, well, I, not even on our side. Just don't like the movie. Like yeah. I think, you know, to to take a side tangent here, uh, we didn't like the review. We've 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 gotten we some like criticism. The, we didn't the, like the movie. Our review, we liked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people didn't like the review. Pardon me. Yes, we didn't like the movie, but I thought that we both brought some fair criticism. Uh, I agree. In terms of our our deconstruction of what worked and what obviously didn't work for the movie, um, and a lot of the re the reviews of our review or criticisms or comments to the point where we shut them off were comments mean, uh, mean one. well not only mean but i mean that's to be expected it is the internet that's why i have no i'm good patience yeah. for it but on top of that a lot of the reviews were coming from a place of not having seen the movie which i i always find that to be we'll go into it Let, let's problem. save it no, Let's I know that. I know that, but I show. but I feel like we like we should at least just kind of we made like a joke. Let's that. we will, and yeah. we'll talk more about the festival as a whole and how we covered it and all that stuff on our post show, which will be on the Untitled Movie Reviews or no, Untitled Movie Podcast channel on podcast. Guys, it's been a long or, two weeks. We've covered or, a lot of stuff. We or, we um, have COVID brain, you know, yeah. on top of everything else that 
we've yeah. been doing. We apologize if we're a little loopy or incoherent, um, but we're trying. We'll talk to, about and that. And to but... tie it all back, we are reviewing uh, Natalie Beyond Carey's Wolf, which Nailed it. Nailed is... It. You're better than me. You're a better man than me. It's here. only because you, you set... The, the the stage for it and alex reno specifically matt does he keeps me honest and, 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 and he tries his honest, best yeah. yes um, um but yes we're reviewing uh her second narrative feature film uh wolf which premiered at the end of the festival weirdly enough with no p i screenings whatsoever uh public only um so that can sometimes be a sign it doesn't necessarily mean that the movie's bad it could even just mean that the film wasn't finished yet or you know they were wanting to save something specifically for tiff to be exclusive but it is a little bit odd to have um a movie play right at the end of the festival when a lot of uh international press uh have already left um so we're reviewing this movie and essentially what it boils down to is you have George McKay in the lead role uh, as a young man who is admitted to a, um, a psychiatric hospital that focuses uh, solely on treating uh, those who believe young people that believe that they are uh, actually animals, whether they be a wolf, whether they be uh, a cat, a parrot, a squirrel, a golden retriever. Um, there's an array of different um, human personalities believing that they are uh, the animals in which, um, you know, they they are inhabiting or you know mm -hmm. vice versa species you know? dysphoria is a what it's is the clinical called. term yeah. for for it yes and then the real life clinical term yeah and so the idea here is that you're seeing it from the point of view of george mckay's character who believes he's a wolf um his background as he's being omitted to this hospital is that mm -hmm. maybe he has hurt some people in terms of you know getting out there and sort of trying to I don't want to say play a wolf or just think he's a wolf. And we, we see a little bit of that in the very opening shot of the film. Um, but as we come to learn about his character, he's one trying to repress those urges because he feels a sense of obligation for becoming quote unquote more normal for his mother and father. Um, but also in the fact that he will not be released otherwise. And in the process he meets, uh, an array of characters that feel as though um, the director is trying to basically make a modern version of one flew over the cuckoo's nest Yeah. Um, in the process. And uh, McKay, who is completely and utterly committed, especially in the physicality of the role, you can probably tell that like, you know, he studied and watched every and like, yeah. video of, of wolves and, and probably watched the gray a few times. <laughs> um, but there's just something about this movie that if you are not buying in to the film, you're going to kind of be completely removed from it. And I found this to be a bit of a chore to watch. Um, not because I'm I'm not taking away from anybody that maybe believes actually that they suffers are. from this. Or, no, yeah. it's more so the filmmaking because the whole time I was thinking, okay, there's this disconnect between tone and intent. There are moments where it almost wants to be comedic in terms of the relationships and the dynamics that these characters have with one another, but also sort of again who they believe that they are 
you know, especially with um, the characters that are thinking that they're either a squirrel or mm-hmm. a golden retriever, where there is sort of this reaction or, or, or invitation to laugh. And I kind of felt that that was the part where I was a little bit on kind of a, a, a non-solid ground with, with the movie. And then when you get to know the characters more, you're supposed to empathize with them, obviously, and you do, but it just kind of feels like the movie doesn't really know what it's doing in terms of like, does it want to be surreal? Does it want to hint at that? Maybe, you know, this is like some sort of weird reincarnation movies with insert shots of dreams of, mm-hmm. of McKay's character thinking that he's a wolf. And then like mm-hmm. his relationship with uh, Lily Rose Depp, who, mm-hmm. you know, is, is uh, a, a cat, I believe. And like yeah, watch wildcat wildcat. Yeah. And the whole time you're just thinking to yourself as well, this would have been better applied if it was the cat's, movie adaptation that Tom sure. Hooper did and you had all the actors just you know without the CGI you know just, dancing around yeah. and prowling like they were cats yeah um yeah I, I'm mostly with you I, I think George McKay is you know in his physical performance quite good not to just repeat you but like um I do think that whenever he kind of transforms or you know at night lets his urges kind of take over and he actually uh, starts acting like a wolf, like the way that it's shot in the shadows or we'll see his, you know, shadow on the wall and the way that he kind of like, it reminded me of, you know, you see the behind the scenes footage of Andy Serkis and other people in the planet of the apes movies, like walking like well, Terry notary, um, right. Who actually yeah. worked on this. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense to me because it, it definitely remind me exactly of that where, you know, the, the physicality in his shoulders and his chest and the way that his legs and arms would be placed on the ground and how he would walk on all fours and even the way that he howled and things like that you could tell like he really worked on this physical performance of transforming into this wolf and like i you know you do have to buy into it because even people in the audience at the beginning were having that kind of uncomfortable laughter where you weren't sure if you should be laughing or if it was serious and then you end up finding out like to Eric's point that there are a couple times where there are supposed to be intentional laughs, which makes the movie a little tonally awkward, but the movie takes itself seriously throughout the whole thing. So a lot of times at the beginning, people are laughing when you're not supposed to be because it's a little jarring to just see these people acting uh, like animals. Right. And like, whether it's a parrot or a squirrel, like Eric mentioned, like, at first it feels cause it feels so wrong or it feels so, you know, uh, strange that it almost is comical. And then you could see the people in the audience kind of uncomfortably laugh. And then that kind of settled down and no one really laughed throughout the whole movie. Um, so it is totally awkward. I like George McKay in it. I think there's some weirdness in the movie that I wasn't expecting, even though it's about people who think that they're animals, um, whether it was from, I liked I I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff, but I liked the like informational videos at the zoo that like were in that kind of really corny, like you're at your workplace watching a like here's a health and safety video and it kind of shows you that really kind of poorly put together corny 90s style 
um like you know what i'm talking about yeah like, we're we're um, it's basically um like, where, where you have in the background the snake eating the frog where yeah, it's overlapped it's, with like videos with, of human beings like yeah doing sort of the the social norms whether it be shaking hands or talking to each other and sort of mm-hmm. saying like you want to do more things like this you don't want to be yeah. like the thing in the background but it's weird because it's like this weird long take of a of a snake eating a frog and it had some weirdness there and it was that was a part that I think is sort of intentionally uncomfortable and funny. And I just wish there was more of that where it doesn't kind of keep that tone throughout. Like that's the one moment where you, and you see it in the background a few other times. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's not great, but I, I found myself thinking, you know, I, I didn't hate watching it. I just felt, Oh, I don't know what the hell that was. Something fell. I hope everyone's okay. Um, just want to make sure everything's good. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I heard a whole bunch of stuff uh, fall. Um, and then I want to bring up Patty Constantine too, because he plays this character called the zookeeper, and he's kind of like the head not physician. Like the physician. I was going to say warden because it's almost like a prison at times, but which it is. Um, I mean, again, that's yeah. what they're kind of playing it up as, right? Yeah. And he is just kind of so over the top um, that it never it kind of takes you out of it right like when the movie wants you to kind of sympathize for these characters when you go so hard with a character like that where it becomes kind of it crosses that threshold of being like all right this is maybe too much like i know he has some extreme measures he needs to go to to try to you know make these kids you know feel human again or or realize that they are human and not animals it just ends up becoming like kind of uh, like villainy instead of just an awful mustache person. twirling, yeah, right? Yeah. Where like you have to have it's again, I, I agree with you. It's riding that fine line between sort of, you know, a complex kind of character who, you know, maybe has done this job for too long and has lost sight of why they, you know, decided to specialize in this sort of form of therapy and helping in the first place. Because there is something kind of, I think, interesting there with not the character, but you look like you mentioned it with the video, but you look at like these kids and, and the place that they're set in. This is, this is a, this is a top of the line state of the art facility. Mm -hmm. And like they have iPads, they, it almost feels like this character that the the zookeeper um, is somebody that is more sort of now focused in his career and sort of keeping you know, the finances and funding afloat. And in order to do so, he needs to see progress within, you know, the, 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 the subjects. Um, I don't, I don't even want to call them, you know, um, patients patients because he doesn't treat them like patients. He treats them more as like a, a monetary value in terms of, you know, getting people to, you know, to keep the parents sort of, um, not worried and so they won't pull them out of of this school and when they graduate or when they come back it's just like there's this there's this idea of like okay well you know like he's looking at it from the point of view probably like getting grants and things like that and and you know is very sadistic to the point but of even then you'd think that this stuff would have come out from you know oh yeah or, like... or maybe this is the first time that it's like this is this kind of i mean there's a reveal been... of a guy that's like 
thinks he's a lion that feels like he's been kept there for a long time. Right. But it might not necessarily just be with him. Like he, he might've even inherited him from somebody he was working with. Right. Or maybe he was smart enough to keep this sort of low profile because as we learn, like this, this facility is in a very isolated area for the most part. And, you know, he does have a way with words to reassure um, the parents in terms of keeping people low key. But I do understand what you're saying. Patty Constantine is one of those guys who I think is a really talented um, actor, especially when he is, you know, in comedic roles. Um, You know, you look at the work that he's done with Edgar Wright, but he's also a really great director, you know, a, a film that played at TIFF, I think almost a decade ago now, uh, Tyrannosaur with uh, uh, Olivia Coleman is incredible. And it's a very dark and hard movie to watch. Um, But it's more compassionate with its characters and sort of how it portrays sort of people, you know, on the outskirts of society or, or, or considered different than I think this movie does. And it's unfortunate because I think there is something there that could be done. And it's not necessarily like I can see some people saying, oh, is it? kind of like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, like in the way that the lobster, like the lobster is, yeah. right? But it's not that. It's trying to kind of be, like, I, I think what it's trying to say is like, okay, there are people out there that exist and we have to kind of show them, you know, the compassion and understanding that we have for any other uh, mental illness, um, you know, or, or, or health-related um, issues. But at the same time, tonally in terms of its visual aesthetic as well, it, it almost feels like it's kind of, in this weird sort of thriller area that's, that it doesn't And that's what really... I mean where you can't connect because it no. almost feels more focused on those thriller elements than it does on the dramatic elements of people actually suffer from this and making you feel sympathy. Instead of making you feel sympathetic towards everyone there, you make it, the movie makes you, oh, I want him to escape, right? It almost becomes like a jailbreak kind of thing. Which again, um, one flew of the cuckoo nest does do that as well, and 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 that I mean I keep referencing that movie, but it does almost feel like it is is taking certain sort of notes from that movie to the point where you know you you get to the third act and it does become sort of a, a an escape mission film to a certain degree. Um, mm-hmm. But it just never kind of fully comes together, even when they have this montage scored to, uh, you know, Gloria, where you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't really understand other than the fact of like, okay, some movies just have montages scored to a song, but it doesn't really work with what the visuals are representing in this one scene, other than to say that, you know, a lot of the staff working here are as complicit as the doctors doing it. And like, you know, this is one step away from being parody. I mean, you might as well cast Kevin James as the zookeeper, you know, and sort of being tongue in cheek or, or, or what have you. And, and to your point, Constantine is so over the top and just kind of a jokish kind of villain. Like he's, he would be as sort of well represented in this performance as if you were to take him and put him in a bond movie, you know, like not a recent bond movie, but like a Connery Moore bond film, he would work mm-hmm. just as well there as he does here. Um, and a lot of the supporting cast are, are good. It, it, like you have two people from this little movie called dating Amber with uh, Lola uh, Pettigrew and uh, Fionn uh, O'Shea. And, it doesn't feel like any of them are really developed other than what their, you know, their personas are. And it, that's unfortunate as well, because again, you think that this could be a really rich ensemble. When you think of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you think, okay, well you have Brad Dorif and you have, you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd and Danny DeVito. And even though they're smaller roles, 
they're they're given something to do and they play off of Jack Nicholson so well where you never really get to learn too much about them or you no. never feel that they get really strong moments with George McKay other than, you know, Lily Rose down. Yeah. yeah. And even their whole relationship is just kind of I don't really have much to say about it. It's just fine. It's underdeveloped. Yeah, it's like, it's really uh, and again, like it's hinting at like this weird supernatural thing that it's almost dismissive of, you know, this being, you know, a clinical term. Like it's almost like saying, okay, well, the, these dreams that McKay's character is having, it's almost like, okay, maybe he is a wolf because he talks about having this calling as a child and the dreams of like you know, this blurred vision of like this. And I'm not saying, forest. I don't think the movie's ever saying that they're not right. Like, I guess that's kind of maybe, I don't think the movie is necessarily doing this, but there could have been something to, um, you know, I, I guess because this is a real life thing, people obviously deal with, you can't just then go, well, it reminds you of conversion therapy or something like that. Right. Like, or someone who believe or what, other people say you believe you're something else, but you're really this, right? right. Whether, um, and I feel like maybe there's something that the movie's trying to do with that, but I just don't think it ever kind of quite goes there because of some of the things we're saying. Like it, it, it doesn't go deep into how each of these kids are feeling or, you know, how this experience is, is traumatizing them. It's just very focused on Jacob and it becomes this kind of thriller movie that doesn't necessarily go very deep into some of those themes that, you know, yeah. And going back to McKay, like, I really do think that, you know, if much like Tammy Faye, which we just talked about, like, I feel like his performance, um, you know, is super committed and, you know, I bought into him. It's just, I think I wish the movie surrounding him, um, kind of fit that. And, um, it just ends up being kind of whatever. So I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5. I'm going to give it a 2. I yeah, I just I could never really connect with the film. And again, the physicality of George McKay's performance is fine, but we also saw that in 1917 in terms of what he was able to do, you know, throughout this movie that's presented as a, a single take film. And sure, I just found like it's hard. It could have so easily come across like you have to buy into him as this wolf. Or else you're just going to be completely like you're just going to laugh at it. And I thought that, you know, he did a good enough job that made me made the movie watchable, even if I didn't think the movie because I think it could have been a disaster if you didn't kind of sort of nail that part. Anyway. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying where like the performance, it, it, it does really hinge on that performance. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't buy into it, um, you'll have a harder time. Getting I think through. a lot of people won't. Right. No, no. And and again, McKay is is good and he's he believes in the part and he's not just simply like, oh, I can't believe how you know ridiculous this is. He's doing exactly what is needed to be done. It's the thing that I don't buy into is the movie itself, because I don't know where the movie ultimately stands. Is it a thriller? Is it a drama? Does it believe that? you know, this type of, of, of syndrome of mental illness is real because it's also contemplating the idea that maybe this is also supernatural and being reincarnated in human form. It, it's just, it's all over the place in terms of mm -hmm. ultimately what it wants to be. And then it has this abrupt ending where it almost feels like the movie just didn't know where to end. It's just like, okay, well this is, this is it. This we're just throwing our hands clean of it at this time. You know, I don't disagree. <laughs> 
Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we have a ton of other reviews that you guys can check out, Tiff and otherwise, uh, right here on YouTube on the Untitled uh, YouTube channel. Or if you want uh, an audio version, you can head over to any podcast service and just search for Untitled Movie reviews uh we have another show called untitled movie podcast we'd love for you guys to check out it's uh more long form free flow in we'll have a post tiff wrap up where we talk about some of the movies that either eric or i watched um you know and the other person didn't watch them so we'll talk about some of those movies there as well as just kind of a roundup of how we felt like this this year's festival went and you know some of the ups and downs of it some of the fun stories and things like that so that'll be on our next draft which should be out very very soon for you guys um you can go a one-stop shop for everything untitled over on letterboxd our hq is untitled underscore movies uh you get links to all of our social channels our, our average ratings our reviews all that kind of stuff so just head over to letterboxd at untitled underscore movies um as always my name is matt rorabeck you can find more of my work around the internet um uh but mostly at untitled movie podcast and you can uh, follow me on all those social medias at matt rorabeck so you never thought of yourself maybe as being like an animal maybe being like a lion just because your last Um, name rorabeck uh i was uh, weirdly um uh again watching succession the other day i got to the board have you uh, have i'm watched season two yet right I've watched some There's of a, it, but not all of it. So Bore on the Floor is this like game that um, Logan makes them all do when he's just very angry and trying to find the like kind of the rat who's leaking information. And people used to call me Boar. Uh, Rora back, yeah, Roar, a lion. Uh, but they used to call me Boar. And then I was like, because it's a piggy or was I boring? Uh, or was it just because my name was Rora Beck and Boar, Bora Beck? Uh, I don't know. Who knows, man? But Boar, Sea Otter, uh, you know seal take any of those okay <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, you asked no 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 i, I just i think that i don't understand the boar thing other than it the rhymes boar? yeah I, they the, used to people called me boar for some reason and maybe because i was boring i don't know I, no you're not but anyways uh i'm eric march and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social media is at em6211 until next time woof